0: Hello and welcome to the Ashi podcast. My name is Gonzalo Berman and I serve as the Editor-in-Chief of Antimicrobial Stewardship and Healthcare Epidemiology. With the Ashi podcast, we hope to share content that is relevant, novel, thought-provoking, and consistent with the diversity of perspectives that we seek with Ashi. A special thanks goes out to the editorial team and of course to Shea for their ongoing support. We hope you will enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the ASHI podcast. Our guests today are Eileen Carter, Carol Schram, Megan Zola, and David Bannock, the team that brought you the very highly cited and downloaded recent publication in ASHI entitled Perceived Usefulness of a Mnemonic to Improve Nurses Evaluation of Reported Penicillin Allergies. Well, wow, that's a mouthful. We're gonna get that to you in, in little bites shortly. This publication, like all others, is available for download for free on the ASHI website, fully open access. I encourage you to check it out. My co-hosts today are the ASHI deputy editor, Dr. Priya Nori, and one of our editorial board members and close collaborators of our guest, Elizabeth Monsens, who has done tremendous work in the field of nursing and stewardship. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much, all of you, for being here. This is the biggest cast I think we've ever had for an ASHI podcast, and I'm super excited to speak with all of you. Take it away, Priya.
1: Great. Thank you so much for kicking us off this morning. Welcome to our guests. So Eileen, Carol, Megan and David, can you each briefly introduce yourselves and tell us your current professional roles?
2: Eileen, why don't you start? Thank you so much for having us all on. You know, it's really a pleasure to be here and we've been so excited. So my name is Eileen Carter. I'm an emergency department nurse by background. I also have my Ph.D. in nursing. I'm I'm currently an assistant professor at the University of Connecticut School of Nursing And in terms of my research interests, I'm really passionate about engaging both nurses and patients uh, to improve the judicious use of antibiotics.
3: Hi, my name is Carol Schramm. I'm a master's prepared nurse who has worked at UConn Health for nearly 30 years, primarily as the clinical nurse specialist for the perioperative areas. In that role, I was overseeing as an educator in other roles, including the operating rooms, pre- and post-anesthesia care units, and endoscopy.
4: Hi, good morning. My name is Megan Zola. I am a registered nurse at UConn Health. I have a bachelor's degree in nursing, I am currently pursuing my master's in nurse leadership at UConn. I am currently the assistant nurse manager of the perioperative departments at UConn Health, which would be pre and PACU. My background is critical care and peri anesthesia nursing.
5: Hi, I'm David Bannick. I'm an infectious disease physician and an associate professor of medicine here at the University of Connecticut School of Medicine. In addition to my clinical role in infectious disease. I serve as the hospital epidemiologist and am the medical director for our antimicrobial stewardship program at UConn Health John Dempsey Hospital.
6: This is Elizabeth. I'm so delighted to be here with you all today. And so I'm just curious, for the reader's benefit, can you summarize your article's premise, findings, and the important take-home points?
2: So as we know, penicillin allergies, they're commonly reported. Most of them are untrue. And their documentation really lacks critical information for risk stratification thus perpetuating kind of the use of non-penicillin alternative antibiotics. So to facilitate the risk stratification of these penicillin allergies, we developed a mnemonic, it's entitled STORY. And it basically, it outlines the specific questions to ask when conducting a penicillin allergy assessment. Before implementing STORY, we first wanted to get a, you know, see what did prescribers and nurses think of it. So we conducted a survey with nurses and prescribers in the surgical areas of our academic medical center And survey respondents were overwhelmingly very, very positive, saying, you know, that they really thought the perceived usefulness of STORY in clinical care was quite high, thus kind of supporting the current, actually, implementation of the STORY mnemonic.
0: Very nice summary. I'd like to follow up with a question. How did this idea come together, and what were the perceived needs in nursing and stewardship you were aiming to address?
2: So this work really builds upon recommendations that were put forth first by a work group that was convened by the American Nurses Association and the CDC that talked about, you know, what could and should nurses be doing to promote antibiotic stewardship. There's a white paper that was published, and this is where I had the pleasure of first meeting Elizabeth. And also, most recently, in the CDC core elements for hospital antibiotic stewardship programs, it does have a specific section that says, you know, nurses can really further and contribute to hospital antibiotic stewardship by uh, conducting very thorough penicillin allergy assessments. And so this work really, you know, directly builds upon those recommendations. However, in my, my previous work, what I found is you know, nurses, while we very, very receptive to conducting a very thorough penicillin allergy assessment, particularly after learning of the negative consequences of penicillin allergies, and also while recognizing, you know, this is kind pen- allergy assessments is really something that they routinely do on a day-in, day-out basis, there was one particular barrier that really, really struck me, and that was, you know, I don't know the questions to ask when conducting a penicillin allergy assessment. So, yeah, happy to do it, but, you know, I, you know, what are those questions? And then, so the story mnemonic really addresses that particular barrier of not knowing the questions to ask when conducting an allergy assessment. Also, I think that the story mnemonic really kind of appropriately frames, you know, the assessment as a narrative account of the alleged reaction.
0: And would it's easy like to, to remember. That's great, Eileen. Would you like to remind our leaders what the story mnemonic means? For those of oh. you yet to read the paper, I know they will download <laughs> it after listening to you, though.
2: Yeah, definitely. I would encourage you all to, you know, if you're interested, pull the paper. And that was a big reason, actually, why we went with ASHI is uh, for open access and, of course, the audience. So, STORY, S stands for symptoms, T, timing, O, the onset of symptoms in relation to when penicillin was first taken our resolution, and then why. This one's a little clunky, but I think it works. You know, why is yet again, has the patient received penicillin antibiotics yet again after that initial reaction?
1: So in your opinion, and this question is either for Eileen or, um, our other guests. You got into this a little bit, Eileen, but um, why are frontline nurses so well poised to conduct these allergy assessments in terms of the relationships they have with patients and how might they be more successful than other types of providers such as resident physicians, medical students, attending physicians, et cetera?
3: Uh, I think Meg and I can answer that one. We feel like these pre-op nurses spend the most time with patients in the pre-operative area. Other disciplines come and go. Everyone works together to get the patient ready, but the nurses really do have the ability to spend the most time. And so they can establish trust to elicit information from the patients Provide clarification about what allergies are and what they are not, and to educate about the benefits of accurate allergy information. I think a great collaborative effort would be between nurses and pharmacists to do allergy reconciliation.
4: I agree, Carol, absolutely. Sort of to piggyback on what you've already said, I think nursing in general is just known to be a trusted profession, and patients are a little bit more willing to sort of open up to their nurse, have a conversation, rather than just give very brief, short answers that really don't do that that deep dig, dig dive like into what we're trying to get from them. As far as their allergy history, the time that we spend with them, we just in general, as Carol said, have more time at the bedside to explore their history and maybe update things that have just been perpetuating from childhood or an allergy that they're not even sure is a true allergy.
1: So I'll just add to that, that it's not that you guys have more time than physicians. Certainly you don't, you probably clock like 15,000 steps or something per shift, but I think it's just that your roles are more patient facing and probably in so many ways, so much more important than ours. So I, uh, Anything to add, any of our other guests in terms of why you think nursing is particularly important for this role? What about, you know, as pertains to helping families understand why these questions are important and why their allergy actually may not be a true allergy? How do you suggest approaching that? With families in particular, let's say on a pediatric floor or something.
0: I
5: think that's a great question and um, you know a really important thing to be uh, thinking about when we're, we're talking about penicillin allergies. A lot of these are allergies that are uh, either the patient is informed about from family members or uh, may have some corroboration with experiences that family members have had with uh, patients during a potential antibiotic-related event or. Um, if an allergy or even an adverse event. So I think yeah, that collaboration with families is critical and really um, you know from a physician perspective, engagement in teamwork with our nursing healthcare teammates uh, is really critical in in addressing this topic, both uh, with patients and also their uh, caregivers and family members.
6: Eileen, I know from some of your prior work too, you've talked about how nurses do prefer algorithms and other different types of tools to help support the conversation between nurses and physicians and APRNs. And so I'm just curious, you know, again, what is the story behind the mnemonic story? And then
2: how do you recommend implementing it? Great question. Implementation, super hard, super, super hard to change practice, especially if we want that practice change to be sustainable. So the story mnemonic really was to address that, I guess, kind of two barriers. One, not knowing the questions to ask but then also not being able to remember those questions when you need to remember those questions, right? So story, I certainly, I love mnemonics. I I found them very, very helpful when helpful when practicing clinically. And so I, I think that is, you know, in terms of when you're providing patient care and you're doing that allergy assessment, it's very, very easy to recall. However, in terms of the implementation, so we developed the story mnemonic as part of kind of a larger implement, a larger multifaceted implementation strategy to improve nurses' documentation of penicillin allergies. And so the story mnemonic was just one kind of piece of that larger implementation strategy. And so we're currently nearing the data analysis stage to see whether or not this multifaceted implementation strategy is really feasible. So in terms of the data that we are collecting, we're collecting both quantitative data, looking at the electronic medical record, but then also another really important piece of information we're gaining or pieces of information we're gaining is by conducting focus groups with nurses to see you know what were their thoughts and experiences with this multifaceted implementation strategy, including the story mnemonic. Um, and we're hearing a lot of really, really great information that will really help inform kind of the future directions. So in terms of how to implement it, I think great, great question, and I would say stay tuned, because more information to come on that.
0: Oh, well, that sounds like a sequel for us. Really <laughs> exciting. I can't wait to receive that manuscript. I'm sorry, Elizabeth, Go back back to you.
6: No, it's such a hot topic. I'm actually working with a few PA students, and they're also interested. Nurses are interested. And so I'm just kind of curious, do you have any recommendations? Is this work really just specific to nursing, or do you think other disciplines can fully participate in it as well?
2: Absolutely not just exclusive to nurses. I mean, for the reasons that we mentioned earlier, I think nurses are in a principal position to make enormous impact in this in this area but certainly especially depending on the the setting you know workflow might be quite quite different and so in one setting nurses might be you know principally positioned to be doing the story mnemonic and in another area it might be let's say medical assistants or pharmacists And also, one thing that I think is really kind of an untapped area that would be really interesting is, you know, moving this away from healthcare workers, potentially, and really centering on patients themselves and kind of putting the story mnemonic almost kind of in in their hands to maybe to document and report. Eileen, someone should do a study on that.
0: A lot of good material here. So I want to follow up on a different component of your decision making now. As we know, this survey was conducted as part of a larger implementation strategy to really improve the documentation of penicillin allergies. So why did you choose the surgical services should we feel excluded as medical doctors or the pediatricians in the audience? What made them so special compared to us?
5: I'll chime in on that. This is David. So, yeah, I think um, antibiotic use in the perioperative setting um, is is kind of unique and really what we're discovering is quite critical. Um, you know, we have... Um, uh, antibiotic, we make antibiotic recommendations in order to reduce the risk of surgical site infections based on the most likely microbiology um, that we see in those kinds of infections. And, you know, I think the data in recent years has shown that in the setting of a reported penicillin allergy and receipt of a sort of not first-line um, antibiotic for perioperative prophylaxis, we see outcomes that are not as, not as good um, as what we see when we use our first-line antibiotics. So we see higher risk of surgical site infections. We see higher risk of antibiotic-associated adverse events. Um, postoperatively. And I think that's really critical and highlights why the perioperative setting and antibiotic use um, in that setting is really uh, critical. And, you know, I do want to um, acknowledge that this work was uh, supported by the CCI, which is the Competency and Credentialing Institute, which is a research foundation that's focused on the advancement of perioperative nursing care. And we're really grateful for their support and they're acknowledging that perioperative antibiotic use is really critical.
1: So our next question has to do with the specific results of your survey. Were there any major surprises or did the results basically confirm what your study team was already suspecting? How do you think the story mnemonic was received and are you using the respondents' feedback to inform your future investigations?
5: So that's a, a great question. I'll uh, discuss some of the results from our uh, study. So essentially, you know, we found that this story mnemonic uh, was very well received, and over uh, 90% of our respondents, 92% of uh, respondents felt that STORY would would there always or often contribute to patient history taking, and 88% found that STORY would be useful in the clinical care of patients. And the majority felt that STORY supports uh, the importance of communication uh, between members of the healthcare team in assessing antibiotic allergies. You know, this is, we, we were hoping for this. We had done some initial piloting that showed that um, this uh, STORY mnemonic would be well-received, and um, I think our data shows that that was the case. And uh, really supports the enthusiasm. I think another important finding is that we specifically asked all the respondents how they felt about nursing engagement and their role in assessing penicillin allergies. And 95% um, felt that nurses have an important role in assessing penicillin allergies. So very high. And I think that really supports what our hypothesis was, that um, there was an, an acknowledgment that nurses have a critical role and that story can help facilitate um, those assessments to, um, of uh, penicillin allergies. And, uh, you know, in terms of next steps, um, you know, we, we're, gonna, we're in the process of actually implementing STORY in a more widespread fashion and actually trying to understand the impact of the STORY mnemonic, both in terms of improving allergy assessments and documentations in the medical record as well as um, antibiotic use uh, during that perioperative period after we begin implementing STORY in the perioperative setting. So uh, stay tuned um, for, uh, for those results
1: just a follow-up question to that, and this is open to anyone. Do you think that this can be easily applied to other nursing settings, such as like acute care medicine or ICU, or how do you see it being adapted to those settings?
2: I think there's a lot of potential for kind of the application of the story mnemonic in, in different care settings, also among different healthcare providers. But I would say one of the things that I think has been really, really critical I'm very fortunate to have, you know, our team, I think, is really, really wonderful. But something that we prioritized from the very, very onset of our project was really close collaborations with professional nurses and the nursing staff. You know, we did not want to come in with this and say, you know, this is the solution. So I think, you know, really being very, very collaborative from the beginning, I think, has been critical to what I think um, has been a very,
0: very successful partnership. You know, the more I think about it, the more it falls on me that every infectious diseases consultant and all our fellows should be familiar with this mnemonic. As, as frontline consultants, if we're not, if we don't know the story mnemonic, something's amiss.
5: <laughs> I completely agree, agree, uh, Dr. Beerman. In fact, we made our mnemonic into badge cards. Even though all the actually listeners won't be able to hear to see this, I have a copy of my story mnemonic on my badge. Easy reference, and uh, a lot of my colleagues have uh, have decided to take this up as well uh, from the uh, infectious disease clinician perspective. So even though our initial focus was in nursing, I think a lot of opportunity to uh, adapt and uh, th- apply this uh, this uh, mnemonic in other uh, to other clinicians. great.
6: So I'm curious. You touched a little bit on this, but what is the next move for your study teams in terms of the implementation of the intervention?
2: So I, I think before, you know, so as, as, you know, David had mentioned, you know, it's currently being implemented as we speak in the perioperative areas. Uh, before we move to, you know, expand it, we certainly, we want to make sure that we know the kinks, that we've identified the kinks, and, you know, that we've done our due diligence to iron iron them out. So right now, you know, we're we're really kind of approaching the data analysis stage to see, you know, what is the feasibility of the use of the story mnemonic? How are people using it? How does it look in the electronic medical record? And so on and so forth. So I think, you know, a lot more information to come on that. And definitely the qualitative focus groups have been very, very useful in kind of identifying some of those issues and really kind of amplifying the things that um, have worked quite well.
6: Priya, you had asked earlier if we could extend this into other areas and so I can just say from my experience, and Eileen knows this, we're working with urgent care nurses because they're very interested and I think that's one of the smart things that Eileen has done in the past too is engaging nurses in a topic that is important to them. And so that's been our experience in pediatrics is to look really more specifically around how we can use something like what Eileen has developed with STORY in our urgent care settings. But, I, you know, I wanted to ask a follow-up question, Eileen, to the one around implementation. So I know you're presenting work at ID Week. And so can you just tell us a little bit about your abstract journey mapping of penicillin allergies in children, so those parental experiences, care gaps, and suggestions offered by parents to address unmet needs? Do you envision integrating journey mapping into the story mnemonic in the future?
2: So, yeah, patient journey mapping, that's uh, an approach that i I. Haven't been really that familiar with, but it's it's really quite fun and I think really um, informative. So it's an approach a lot of times that uses quantitative or qualitative methods or a combination of the two to kind of identify the or map out the sequential steps of patients as they navigate some sort of healthcare experience. And it's been increasingly used to kind of identify gaps in care that are amenable to intervention. So in doing this patient journey mapping, it was a secondary analysis of qualitative interviews with parents reporting a penicillin allergy in their child. And from those interviews, we gleaned their experiences before, during, and after the acquisition of their child's penicillin allergy label. And certainly we identified, you know, areas for improvement that are amenable to STORY. You know, so while I don't have specific plans um, immediately of kind of integrating STORY into that patient journey map, I do think there is certainly opportunity there.
1: Okay, so our next question is kind of future facing. What topic does your team think that we as a group collectively focusing on stewardship or nursing and stewardship ought to take on over the next couple of years? What are the existing gaps still and what should we be really focusing on as time, uh, let's say like between now and the next decade?
2: A few thoughts. I think what we're seeing is, you know, documentation really matters, but not just this kind of binary, yes, somebody has a penicillin allergy or does not, but really what is the com how does the completeness of that penicillin allergy documentation actually impact prescribing behavior? I think that that's kind of an important area to study, but also um, in terms of additional areas to pursue, there are a a few areas that I I find kind of particularly interesting. One is I mentioned before, moving story—you know—really focusing on patients uh, themselves and maybe their completion of story. And also another thing that might be really cool that I would love to participate in—I don't have the skills to lead it—but using machine learning to Use story mnemonic information to facilitate the delabeling and uh, prompt testing
0: of penicillin allergies. I love it. What a great answer. Now, we're kind of in a future thinking mode right now. Priya and I, and some other editors or associate editors here in, in Ashia have been talking, thinking, and talking a lot about artificial intelligence and machine learning, et cetera, et cetera. That's the wave of the future, and it may threaten some of the things that we do. Having that as a backdrop to this question, how important is it for the nurses to be? patient-facing, which is what they are, in this AI revolution? And what critical role do you think they will play, not only in this element of patient care, but other related patient uh, care, patient-facing, patient uh, patient care matters in this pending AI revolution? That's open to anyone.
3: Well, I think the role of the nurse will not change because in the sense of them being spending time with people that are about to have surgery, and that's where I'm really focused. So this is one of the biggest days of of anyone's life when they're going in for surgery. They are relinquishing control to people they may not have met before that day, And it can be a very, very scary experience, even under the best of circumstances. And I can't say enough good about the care that Meg, for example, delivers directly and role models to her staff on that unit. She has taken care of family members of my own. And it made a huge difference having that interpersonal interaction I can't imagine personally something scarier than thinking I was going in where it was only going to be like uh, an auto assembly factory where we just have bots or robots or whatever the role of the nurse I think the importance of that interpersonal interaction will not change
0: that's great so we have confirmed that Megan is not a bot
3: No, (laughs) (laughs) No.
0: she's a superb OR nurse. Is that correct? Well, she
3: (laughs) she doesn't work in the OR, so she works in pre-op and PACU. Yeah, just to clarify.
0: So, Megan, would you like to add anything to that? The comment of the importance of being patient facing and having that human touch in the face of this AI revolution?
4: Carol, thank you. And I would absolutely just echo your sentiment. I think that things will change, but the ultimate nursing at the bedside will be consistent. We'll still have that contribution to that level of patient-facing care. And I think that's what has drawn us into the profession, to be honest. Most of us were drawn to the bedside for a reason, and we'll probably stick there for a bit, even as AI changes the face of healthcare. So Megan, just
1: a follow-up question for you. Sorry to put you on the spot, but in many ways, you and your colleagues are probably better poised to face this revolution than, let's say, me and my colleagues who uh, the bulk of our work is done sitting behind a computer. What do you think about that? What is the sentiment among you and your colleagues about this coming revolution?
4: I think, honestly, I would just say inquisitive, kind of curious, because we know there's going to be impacts. We know there's going to be changes, but to what extent? And how do we stay current? How do we stay involved? And how do we continue to offer the best care in that moment?
1: That's great. So, Would you say then it's um, generally optimistic and, well, not that you can speak for the entire (laughs) discipline of nursing, but do you feel that it's generally one in which people are looking to see how they can work with it rather than uh, work against or be replaced?
4: Absolutely. I would say definitely optimistic is the word. Um, Even with the approach when the study was brought to us, That was definitely the overwhelming theme and response that we got from the nurses was, sure, that sounds great. How can we be a part of this? Tell us our role and what we can contribute.
0: Great answer. You see, uh, Megan, if you get put on the spot or given accolades from Carol, then you you become the focus of our questions.
4: Great. (laughs) Yes, the accolades (laughs) help. Thank you.
0: So how can other clinicians in stewardship and infection prevention be more inclusive and collaborative with our nursing colleagues? And what are the three things that physician leaders can implement today to make those connections stronger in our work environments? That's not a question for David. That's a question for his colleagues.
3: Well, this is Carol answering. I think that as long as they can express an awareness of and appreciation for the work that nurses have done in this regard and others and how their work may improve patient care. So be aware and recognize.
4: Yes, and I would just add to that, a willingness to be open to the collaboration. Uh, This was definitely something new that we were doing in this department, and for me as well, to be a participant in this. So to feel like we had an equal seat at the table, that we were sharing space with the providers, and that our contribution to the collaboration was important, that was really critical and I think um, extremely important to nurses.
0: All right, we're rounding up this program and we have one last question, which we'll go back to Elizabeth to ask. Again, this is a question that we ask all of our participants. It's a very deep question, I would argue, gives us an insight into your personalities and your souls, so to speak. So take it away, Elizabeth.
6: As Eileen mentioned, we've known each other a number of years. And so what I actually appreciate about Eileen is I always learn something new. But again, to open it up to all of the guests, what are you currently reading or listening to, including podcasts for professional development or leisure? And would you recommend it to our readers?
3: This, Carol, I'll take it, the lead on it. So if we don't count all the murder mysteries I've been involved in over the past six months, I'm currently reading a book by Sarah DiGregorio, who is a journalist, not a healthcare professional. But it's a new publication called Taking Care, the Story of Nursing and Its Power to Change the World. It addresses the role of nurses in improving health over the millennia. It is a long timeline, and I wish some of the nurses she's profiled in the book could have helped with our study.
4: Carol, I'm not doing anything as interesting. As I mentioned in my intro, I'm in school currently, so I'm working full-time and then balancing my course load as well. So a lot of assigned reading and textbooks is what's occupying my free time. But as far as professional development, I would say to your readers and listeners, if anyone is contemplating getting involved in a study such as this, even if it's out of your comfort zone, I would absolutely encourage you to. It was wonderful to be a part of this collaboration and this multidisciplinary approach. It was great. Uh it's been such a pleasure, Meg and Carol and David,
2: of course. <laughs> so I recently got into um, the Peter Atiyah Drive podcast and finishing up an episode where he speaks to Oliver Berkman and um, they talk about time, productivity, while really kind of embracing our finitude, giving that we're all mortal beings. And how do you kind of get what you want to get done, or even reframing to say, is what you hope to accomplish even possible. So anyway, I found this particular episode to be really enlightening and kind of changing my perspective a bit and and centering. So definitely would recommend that.
5: So I'll, uh, I'll chime in. Um, so I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and um, I think a lot of my uh, non-medical interests in podcasts focus mostly on music, particularly hip hop music. Uh, I know uh, Dr. Nori is a big uh, fan of 90s hip hop and basketball too. I mean, this college basketball, especially this is UConn. So uh, we've got to be attentive to everything that's going on in college basketball. But I do want to put a plug in for a lot of the outstanding infectious disease medical podcasts, certainly podcasts coming out from Itchy and Ashy and Shay are all really terrific. Um, And APIC, IDSA, there's a podcast called Febrile that's um, really outstanding. So there is an overwhelming amount of outstanding podcast content. And of course, the Ashy podcast uh, will always be number one. Um, So uh, thank you again for uh, inviting us on. And um, it's been a great experience uh, working with this research team. And thanks for letting us share it.
0: Oh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, all of you, for spending the time on the Ashy podcast with us. We've explored a lot of neat things, including the story mnemonic. We've also explored, and I think, highlighted the importance of nursing collaborations, nursing leaderships, and nursing as real advocates for patients and also critical partners for us in infection prevention, safety, stewardship, and everything related to the patient experience. I believe I heard that you have some other projects in the making, so there may be a sequel or two. I hope that's correct. I hope that you continue to consider ASHI as a place to submit your manuscripts. Dr. Nori, is there anything else you'd like to mention as we wrap it up?
1: Just that we're so honored to have our guests today. I think this is multidisciplinary collaboration at its finest, and we're just so thrilled for your time. And Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining our ASHI team and can't wait to uh, continue to work with you.
0: Absolutely. And for our listeners, we've just highlighted the perceived usefulness of a mnemonic to improve nurses' evaluation of reported penicillin allergies. This publication, like all others, is available, fully open access in ASHI Journal. Check it out. Thank you very much, everyone, for being part of this podcast, and we hope to have you back on the program very soon. Thank you.